The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Stuff that I don't think you want to say on the radio. I'll be the judge of that, James Dolan. Welcome into Flippin' Out Radio, the most American podcast ever created. I am your host, James Flippin', and in the next 45 minutes to an hour or so, I can't make any promises. We've got a lot to get into today. We've got a lot to do. I was fading down the wrong pot, so hopefully you could actually hear me over the blasting music that was entering your ears just now. All part of the most American podcast ever created experience with me, James Flippin. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jamadrop. You can like us on Facebook. Just search for Flippin' Out Radio as produced by Flippin' Out Radio. I've got a special draft episode here, NFL Draft. Blunt sports talk with myself and my brother, Kyle Flippin. That'll be uh, somewhere in between the rest of the time that I talk about things. Like Roger Goodell and Chris Christie being dopey about pot, no pun intended. I have some thoughts on Jimmy Kimmel's comments. We're going to be sensitive, we're going to be understanding, and I can only try to be, really, in the one sense, since I'm not a parent. But you're all people because you're listening to this, I know that. And you can be taken advantage of. And it's not right to take advantage of people. That's why I have some thoughts. What else do we have? Uh, the New York Times trying to run some games with the tweets about the Patriots going to the White House. I honestly can't remember if we talked about that last episode, so I apologize if that's a repeat. Uh, the price of being American, according to this bitch-ass author, and I have some thoughts on that. Uh, let's see. Oh, a great tweet that unfortunately has now been deleted, but I can recount to you what it was that was said. A great tweet that I really enjoyed. This guy, he saw a tweet where this company was selling shirts that said, fuck men, or I hate men, something like that. I think I hate men, because, you know, fuck men could be taken a different way, of course. But they, they sold shirts that said, I hate men. And this guy quoted the tweet and said, y'all sell this in 3 and 2X? They're going to be your top buyers. And I absolutely died when I saw that. He since deleted the tweet. I can only imagine how much hate this guy was getting. Um, You know, from some of the angry people that saw this that tweet. But they're going to be your top buyers. Uh, let's see. 
Um, you know, this is this is unfortunate. But last episode we talked about how I really do enjoy reading about these these whores in the news, and these suspended cheerleaders saw this story on Newser.com. These suspended cheerleaders were strippers and escorts on the side, uh, members of Coastal Carolina University cheerleading squad were whores on the side. I mean, I'm sorry. That's that's hot. That's a hot news item. And I don't mean that in terms of breaking news or something like that. This guy created a business out of uh, waiting online in New York City. That's where you know that you're a resourceful gentleman. Elite Daily put this video together where this guy, he waits in line for people in New York for like Broadway tickets and all this kind of stuff and sells his place in line more or less to these people that are too rich and important to wait online for things. Absolutely insane. Um, I saw a Comcast promo that said, Girls, you know, Lena Dunham's show, is a millennial masterpiece. They called it a millennial masterpiece, Girls. I was speechless. Now, again, I don't watch that show. Boy Pierce does, who's a good friend of mine, and he's been on the show. But millennial masterpiece? I mean, by, by what standard? That's what I want to know. Now, you want to call... Like Game of Thrones, again, since we're in the so-called millennial age, right? You want to call that a millennial masterpiece, nobody's going to dispute you on that. Or if they do, they don't know anything. Like Matt Pierce, Boy Pierce, he doesn't watch Game of Thrones, so he wouldn't know that. But yeah, the White House had the Patriots in for a visit to commemorate their Super Bowl championship over the Falcons when they absolutely choked in a pathetic, sad way. And the New York Times put this photo up on their Twitter account that said, oh, look at how much fewer people came this time because it's not the great President Obama. It's the icky, really gross Donald Trump. So, you know, can can you see how fewer people are here in this photo? And it was great because the Patriots Twitter account, the official Patriots Twitter account quoted the tweet and said, uh, actually, people were seated in a much different way this time around. We had exactly two less players and personnel at this particular visit. Two less. You are fake news. Thank you, Donald. Appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, the pathetic New York Times, of course, they have to try to run that game. And it was just absolutely great. It was just absolutely great that uh, the New York Times clapped back like that. Or I'm sorry, the Patriots did against the New York Times. And then Clay Travis pointed out something very, very poignant and very true in regard to the whole White House visit thing. Um, ESPN broke down how, you know, Tim Thomas, the goalie for the Bruins at the time, they had an op-ed where they wrote about how he was like really just a, a divisive, awful person for not going to the White House when President Obama was there. But they were falling over themselves to basically, you know, heap praise on the players on the Patriots who didn't want to go because Trump was in office. I mean, it's just, you know, and this is within like, you know, how many years, six years time. So how, how many, how much more obvious could you make your bias than what goes on at, you know, really it's, it's ABC, but you know, ESPN, it's amazing. I, I have to tell you, um, this is this is something that's kind of kind of dark, kind of odd. 
but I saw this news item and I thought to myself, you know, there's only one thing that makes sense here. Honestly, there's like only one. There's this couple that was profiled in a BBC piece where in the in the United States, this couple goes to executions. They have nothing to do with the person that's being executed. They didn't have anything to do with the crime that was committed. They don't know anything about the the person who's being executed, or at least they don't know the person, you know, on a personal level or anything like that. They're literally just going to this execution to be witnesses. They're not paid to do it. At least I didn't see in this article where it said they were paid. I don't think they're paid. These people are volunteers to be witnesses to executions. And again, the piece is really odd. Like the, the one guy, the husband is like, yeah, well, you know, at first my wife was kind of like a little questionable about it, but then, you know, we, we said, well, you know, it's fine. We can, let's go check it out. And, and I guess at this point they've done like, I don't know, upwards of double digit executions that they've gone to. And I thought to myself as I'm reading it, and again, this may also say a thing or two about me, maybe that maybe I'm the sick fuck, but I thought to myself, you know what? These people, they have to go home and have some fucking freaky ass sex after they watch these executions. Because why the fuck? Like who? These are some sick people. That why are you? Why are you volunteering to go watch people get killed? And I, I mean, again, far be it for me to truly understand this kind of thing because fifty isn't that sick? Definitely a hundred years ago and back people went to public executions like they had like a picnic there like oh yeah let's watch the guy get hung or even worse so um yeah i don't know i just i can't really understand the whole the whole going there and uh and watching that um as a volunteer and uh, by the way a new york times editor did apologize for this the misleading tweet about the new york uh the new england patriots visit to the white house he apologized so, yeah, at least there's that. That's as good a point as any to take a break here. And uh, when we come back, we will have the Blunt Sports Talk NFL Draft Breakdown. That's right, with myself and Kyle Flippin. I tell you, flip you, flip you. We will cover the 2017 NFL Draft, at least the first round, in some depth with some strong opinions and some, and some very feisty takes on what goes on in the league. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. A Flippin' Out Radio production. And now it's time for Blunt Sports Talk. I'm James Flippin. He's Kyle Flippin. You can follow me on Twitter at JamADrop. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Flippin. All right, so we're here on Blunt Sports Talk in anticipation of the 2017 NFL Draft, which this year is in Philadelphia, not far from where we're broadcasting in North Jersey. And uh, we're getting ready. We're thinking about what's going to happen here. This will be a two-part little mini podcast within a podcast where myself James Flippin and my co-host my brother Kyle uh, he and I will break down what he thinks is going to happen here in the draft how that fits with you know various 
reality is already established in the NFL. I'll, I'll chime in on that as well. And then after the whole first round, we'll get together and go over what happened and how it compares to what you thought was going to happen and all that kind of stuff. So we're hearing already Mary Kay Cabot, one of the big-time beat writers for the Browns, is saying that it's basically a done deal that Miles Garrett is going to be number one. And I, I should hope so. I mean, look, the Browns are kind of a secretly of mine. I'd like to see them do well. Garrett's kind of the can't-miss guy that is definitely a building block piece of your team. You got to have a pass rush in the NFL, especially the modern-day NFL. And, uh, yeah, he's a no-brainer. So hopefully that happens. Do you concur? Well, I mean, this is, uh, you know, probably the worst-kept secret in the NFL. I mean, people have been, you know, saying this for, you know, all along. You know, there were some rumblings, oh, maybe not, maybe it'll be a quarterback. But they still have the, you know, the 12th pick. They'll have another chance. And, you know, it did seem, you know, like, you know, yeah, all along, this basically has been a no-brainer. Um... You know, I mean, there have been some, uh, you know, on the one hand, you know, the the physical gifts, the production, you know, it's unquestionable. But, you know, like, uh, recently, you know, Warren Sapp, for example, and people would just kind of, you know, dismiss what he said. But there is some, you know, there were other people who have backed up what he said that, you know, there weren't a lot of games that he, like, took over. You know, like, when you think back to other DNs who went first overall, whether it was... Jadevian Clowney out of South Carolina or Mario Williams out of North Carolina State. Uh, those guys, you know, had games where they really dominated. And for Gary, they might have had the splash plays, but he was very hit or miss. A lot of games where the Texas A&M defense, uh, you know, was giving up 40, 50 points. And so you, know, you don't think he's the, you don't think he should be the number one pick? You know, I, I wouldn't really, uh, I personally wouldn't, wouldn't take him first overall. I would be probably trying to trade back first overall. Uh, I know the Browns have tried to uh, trade that pick. Obviously, they haven't gotten the pick they wanted, or they just want uh, Miles Garrett that badly. Um, you know, I mean, there's a couple guys I look at. Like, I really think that, uh, you know, that Leonard Fournette is a blue chip talent. I really think that uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, is a franchise quarterback. Really? But then okay. again,. They do have the 12th pick in the draft also. So, um, you know, I, I think the, the good thing about Miles Garrett, he doesn't necessarily have to be a superstar. The Browns, quietly, they're kind of building a pretty good defense. Uh, you know, they drafted Danny Shelton, a good nose tackle, a couple years ago. Emmanuel Ogba, who would be the his counterpart, the opposite defensive end, uh, had an impressive rookie season. He looks like he has a bright future. They uh, got Jamie Collins from the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Christian Kirksey, nice young linebacker. Still have Joe Hayden. Um, and now Greg Williams, defensive coordinator. Yeah, no, so, they've, they've definitely been uh, kind of on the sneak, uh, a, a decent defense already. And then if they were able to add. So are you in concur then? Do you think that's going to be the number one pick? Do you think he's going to go number I one? I think he will, yeah. Okay. What about two? Um... You know, the guy I would probably like to take would be Jonathan Allen from Alabama. Really? He's a really uh, that I, high? That's the guy I really like. Like to me, he's he and Garrett are the two best. Um, but you know, I think the guy. It looks like it's going to be Solomon Thomas. They're switching from a three-four to a four-three. 
They spent their last two uh, first-round picks on defensive linemen in uh, DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. Saw, you know, he's a local guy. Won't have to go far from Palo Alto to Santa Clara. Um, another guy, you know, outstanding production in one of the premier conferences. Uh, checks out in just about every area. So I think, yeah, I'm thinking Solomon Thomas. Okay, so Solomon Thomas goes to the 49ers. And then the Bears, our own Ed Sellers, That's favorite right. team. What what are the what do the Bears do at the three spot? I think this would be a good spot for Jonathan Allen. I think uh, you know the Bears are another team that's kind of quietly building a good defense. Leonard Floyd looks like he's you know becoming one of the next uh, you know star edge rushers. They got Danny Freeman. I mean, uh, sorry, Danny Trevathan, Jarrell Freeman, in free agency a year ago. Uh, Eddie Goldman, bright young defensive lineman. I think Jonathan Allen could really uh, you know round out that group under John Fox with the running game that they had and uh, take the pressure off Mike Lennon. Okay. So Mike Lennon, obviously uh, the guy that signed as a free agent there for the Bears, you're saying they, they might go uh, that way to take some of the pressure off him. What about the Jaguars, a team that definitely needs an influx of talent, number four? Uh, the one player that just about every you know analyst, every scout seems to think is going to the Jaguars of four is Leonard Fournette. So that's what I'm going to go with. Mm. Uh, you know, Tom Coughlin is now, you know, the head of their front office. He's going to get back to that ground and pound, uh, you know, physical so style. the fact that you have Jonathan Allen going that high, that's not reflected in any of these other mock drafts. You, you're, so you're going out on a limb and saying that he's going to he's gonna be the guy that, that rises up that. Well, I'm kind of going, board. I mean, like, that's as much as anything, that's what I would do. I okay. Was in situation. So this is as much as anything, not what you expect to see happen, but what you would do. Right. And if I, but if I was going to go, I mean, I would probably say that they're likely to take a corner, like Marshawn Lattimore. Mm -hmm. That's probably what I would say is the most likely. Okay. Or maybe a safety, Jamal Adams from LSU. Um, but well, yeah, what about, if, I, if I was, what about the Titans seat. at number five? What do you expect them? Where do you expect them to go? To me, the Titans have two priorities. They need to get a big-time receiver, and they need to strengthen their defense. Um, I don't think there's a receiver. In, but they also, they're another team with two first-round picks. They also have the 18th pick. Um, you know, they're a team that I could see. I'm going to say Ruben Foster. You know, okay. people say his stock has dropped. Um you know, some things at the combine, you know, a drug test, things uh, not going so well for him there. But, uh, you know, I think, yeah. Well, he's I not the guy who had the diluted player. sample, right? The, wasn't Jabril Peppers? That was Jabril Peppers. Yeah, he's yeah. got the, which is so stupid, the yeah. diluted sample. All right, so Ruben Foster off the board. That brings us the Jets, a team that we know well because that's uh, one of the local uh, squads here. Where do you expect the Jets to go? I think the best way for the Jets to make themselves as good and relevant as quickly as possible as they can is to pick Deshaun Watson. Okay. All right. You you would like you would like to see them go out there and take the uh, the uber talented, but but maybe a little bit risky 
Deshaun Watson. Well, I mean, look, anytime you take a shot, uh, shot at a you know franchise quarterback in the first round, that always entails risk. It hasn't worked out for them uh, the last couple times they've tried. But, um, you know, I just think this guy is franchise quarterback written all over him. You can say how bad uh, the Jets are, how bad their record is. But really, you put a franchise quarterback on that team, uh, they look a lot better. You know, I think, you know, they, they have a good defense, a good enough offensive line. I like their receiving core. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, they still have plenty of chances, plenty of high picks. To address the running game in other areas. All right, so that would make Deshaun Watson the number one quarterback taken. The second Los Angeles team now, the Los Angeles Chargers, seventh on the clock. What do they do? Uh, I think the guy most people have them taking is um, Malik Hooker, free safety from Ohio State. Uh, you know, he replaced. He would replace Eric Weddle, who left uh, last offseason. They weren't. They clearly missed him last year. Um, you know, he's a guy people are comparing to a young Ed Reed, just outstanding range, outstanding ball skills. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have the pick the Chargers to grab Malik Hooker. Okay. The seventh pick. And then the Panthers, number eight. Gettleman. Think, Gettleman, the great GM that uh, yeah. the Giants like it away. No, I like, I like Jerry Reese, so it's fine. I'm going to, uh... Like, so for me, we have the Bears taking Jonathan Allen. That's what you said, yeah. Okay. So Marshawn Lattimore is still on the mm-hmm. still on the board. I think I think Marshawn Lattimore is the best player. Okay. They they you know they need a, a big time corner. They they missed Josh Norman last year. Uh they need a guy who can match up with those uh with number one receivers. I think that's the best way for the Panthers to improve. All right, and that would be the second uh, Ohio State player, right? Right. All right, so the second Ohio State player in the top ten. And then the Cincinnati Bengals at number nine. Your thoughts there? The Bengals. I think I'm going to have them taking the receiver here. It really hurt them last year, you know, having – Lost Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu in the same offseason. So I'm going to have them taking Mike Williams, wide receiver from Clemson, to okay. complement A.J. Green. All right, so they go and uh, bolster their wide receiver core. And then finally, for the last top top ten, and uh, the last top ten, we will then kind of jump around after that. What do you think for those uh, Buffalo Bills? I think they're going to go receiver, too. I have them taking Corey Davis from Western Michigan. Wow. Uh, I, th- I still think Tyrod Taylor is a solid quarterback. I think you can win with him. Uh, I just think they need another weapon aside from Sammy Watkins. And I think having uh, Corey Davis opposite him could be really uh, formidable. Now, let me ask you. I know, you know, we said we were going to jump around, but I got to say then, for number 11 at the New Orleans Saints, do they take Christian McCaffrey? No, I think they're out of the running back market now that they've got Adrian Peterson. But McCaffrey's such a better fit for for their offense. You know, he could be a sick receiver out of the backfield for them. Uh, I could just imagine Sean Payton and I'd, Drew Brees with Christian McCaffrey. That would be a terror. It would be a terror, but I don't think he would have to wait too much longer in this hypothetical right, where does scenario. Christian McCaffrey go? 
I would have them going uh, one pick leader to the Cleveland Browns. Okay. So the Browns get a playmaker for he once. He and Isaiah Crowell would make a uh, a great backfield. Tampa. All right. Let's let's then uh, go. Well, what do you think? So where do you think Arizona Cardinals go? I don't think we did the Saints. Okay. Who? Yeah. So where where where, where will the Saints uh, end up? I think they're going to stay local. Wait, have I had? Is Jamal Adams still on the board? No, is that the safety from LSU? Yeah. Did he's you didn't take him yet? So he's 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 there. He's there. Yeah. The Saints will take him. Oh, they gotta get Jamal Adams. All right. He's still there. All right. Yeah. So then Christian McCaffrey, and then the Browns. Uh, yeah. The Cardinals are on the board. Where do they go? I think. You know, a lot of people are saying Tredavious White, cornerback from LSU. They've had a lot of success with LSU DBs. But I think they're going to go quarterback. I'm thinking Mitchell Trubisky from North Carolina. Have him watch and learn from Carson Palmer for a year or two. And then take over. Alright, and then the Eagles. The Eagles. Um... They really need a corner because they didn't have good corners last year, and then they lost both Nolan Carroll and uh, Leotis McKelvin this offseason. I think the Eagles... Oh, but Derek Barnett is still on the board. Okay. You know what? I'm, I'm going to stick with my original gut feeling. Tredavious White, cornerback from LSU. Okay. Davius White goes, and they bolster their secondary. Uh, let's just do. You, do you have this ready to just rip through them one by one? If I just keep, if you I just can, keep you it. can just keep. Uh, All right, let's go through, through it quickly. Then. All right, Colts. Hassan Reddick, out of Temple. Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. Derek Barnett. Okay, that's uh, who, defensive who that? end from Tennessee. He's okay. the best player on the board. Okay, they need to upgrade their pass rush. All right, uh, Redskins. They need to go defense. I like uh, I like Zach Cunningham, linebacker from Vanderbilt. Okay, I've heard good things about him. Yeah, I think he's he'd be a good player for T them. Tennessee Titans. Let's see with their first pick. I had them taking, was it Jonathan Allen? No. Well, he's already long gone. No, 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 but I mean with their with their fifth pick. I'm saying, oh, who, oh, I think oh, it was oh. Ruben Foster. Yeah. Okay. I think they should go receiver. Is OJ Howard still on the board? He is. He's too good to pass up. Okay. Take OJ Howard. All right, so the Titans get the tight end. Tampa Bay Bucks. Okay. Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, you know, I like Taco Charlton, defensive end from Michigan. Okay. They're building a good defense. Noah Spence is a good defensive end opposite him. Still have Gerald McCoy at D-tackle. Yeah, I like Taco Charlton for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Broncos, number 20. Gotta get better on the offensive line. Ryan Ramchek, offensive tackle, Wisconsin. Okay. Detroit Lions, 21. 
The Lions, I think. I think the Lions have to go defense. Tredevious White has already been picked, right? See now you're now you're challenging me because I didn't necessarily. I think he has down. been. I think he has been. Yeah, he went to the. Wait, has he? No, we had, we had the Saints taking Jamal Adams. We had the Cardinals taking Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. And uh. So Tredavious White, I think is still on the board. I think all of the uh, the Lions taking him. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Then we have the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. I'm going to have the Miami Dolphins. They don't need a tight end because they traded for Julius Thomas. I'm going to have them taking Jabril Peppers. Okay. Safety for Michigan. He'll give that team a spark. Yeah. In more right. ways than one. Nice. Nice. You mean, uh, are you saying because he had a diluted sample that he's going to No, I wasn't, I wasn't oh, thinking okay. that. Um, next, the New York Giants. All right. Is Dalvin Cook still on the board? He is. He's too good to pass up. Really? Take Dalvin Cook. All right, so the Giants get a running back. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, Paul Perkins, and Shane Vereen. Behind him, a retooled offensive line that is DJ Fluker instead of uh, John Jerry at guard. Mm -hmm. There's still plenty of opportunities to upgrade the team elsewhere. All right. Uh, let's go Oakland Raiders, 24. Freshly Raiders. off uh, having traded for Marshawn Lynch. Right. I think they got to go corner. Marlon Humphrey from Alabama. Okay. And then the Houston Texans. They need a quarterback. You know what? I'm going to have them pulling the trigger on Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Apparently, you know, he, he went to college in Texas. Right. Apparently has a good relationship with Bill O'Brien. If he's on the board when the Texans pick, Bill O'Brien's going to say, I know who I want to take Mahomes. I know who I want to take Mahomes. All right. And then uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Is John Ross still on the board? Yeah, uh, you haven't picked him. John Ross. Stay local in Washington. Get a deep threat. All right. Good pick. John Ross. And then the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs. You know what? I like uh, Jared Davis, linebacker, right, linebacker from Florida. Out of Florida, yeah. Derek Johnson's getting old. He would be a nice 
successor. All right, and then the Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. You said that with a little too much affection for my liking. <laughs> said that with much too much affection for my liking. They got hit hard in free agency. Good, especially on the defensive side of the good. ball. Good. Good. I think Adore Jackson, cornerback from USC, can also return kicks and punts. Okay. And then the Green Bay Packers. We're getting to the end here. TJ Watt. He's got the uh, the pedigree. Went to college at Wisconsin. They could use another uh, edge rusher with Julius Peppers gone. Is that JJ's brother? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think uh, I'm going to have them taking Buda Baker, safety from Washington. Okay. Hard hitter, also good in coverage. He's a stealer. All right. Atlanta Falcons. They needed a, another uh, pass rusher opposite Vic Beasley. Charles Harris from Missouri. Okay. And then the final pick of the first round is a tr is from a trade with the Patriots. Right. The New Orleans Saints. I had them taking Jamal Adams with the first pick. You know what? This is a good spot for Deshaun Kaiser. Quarterback from Notre Dame. Interesting. He's not ready to play right now, but let him watch and learn behind Drew Brees. He'll be ready in a couple years. All right. From one Golden Dome to another. So he'll be a first rounder, according to you. All right. So that is the first round, according to Kyle, before it happens. Now it's about to happen. We'll watch. We'll chronicle. And then we'll come back and talk about what reality was versus the prediction. Even though you're saying, you're kind of like couching it in a way by saying like, you know, well, you know, like this is what I would do. This is what I would do. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I also gave my nice predictions. Okay, yeah, I mean, you we did. We can rip through those, no, too. No, no. All right. All right, good stuff. All right, so we'll, uh, we'll be back to uh, do the post-draft portion of this. I got a couple of priorities first. I want to go kiss my wife and my kids. I want to go... You know, hug my family. I'm going to drink a lot of Budweiser tonight, Tracy. And I promise you that. Blunt Sports Talk. The Radio Misfits Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to round, or I should say, part two right. of the Blunt Sports Talk NFL Draft breakdown. We just wrapped with our first round preview. Right. Now that the draft has actually happened, we're going to go After through... After round one, before round two. I, I should say, right, there's obviously still plenty of draft left to go, but... Um, in Post round one. In terms of what happened in round one, we're going to go through it, talk about what Kyle predicted, talk about what actually happened, and uh, give Kyle and myself a chance to react to, you know, what was pretty surprising 
at times. Yeah. Uh, and what happened Thursday night down in, in Philadelphia. So the first round coming on, and uh, we will now dive into our analysis. So you said that really, in your mind, the Browns' best pick wouldn't have been Miles Garrett. Now, you did say they would take him. Right. But you weren't necessarily in love with the pick. So they take him. Right. He's now the newest member of the Browns' defense. Obviously, a day later, your mind's not going to have completely changed on the entire situation. But you did say, interestingly, and we'll get into this a little bit later because there's enough picks where we'll have a chance to talk about the Browns, that you absolutely consider them one of the winners yes. in this first round of the 2017 NFL Draft. So we'll talk about that because I find that interesting. And I have something that I want to challenge you on when you say that because I think it kind of flies in the face to a certain extent of what you were saying about a particular player and how it connects to the Browns and how if this guy, and I think you'll get where I'm going, ends up being really good, how the Browns are going to continue to lament the whole process that has been the NFL draft for them. So again, a little bit of a tease. But uh, number two after Miles Garrett was um, the 49ers. Now, also, uh, you liked Jonathan Allen here. He's a guy who didn't uh, go quite as early as maybe you would have liked, but the 49ers trade back. And Jonathan Lynch, rookie GM, kind of a shrewd move here. Now, whether or not the 49ers were truly going to look at a quarterback or if you know that was a smokescreen coming from them, the Bears felt pressured enough to give up a lot yeah, and surprised pretty much everybody when they were the team that jumped into that two spot and picked Mitch Trubisky. Right. When you thought, and I think a lot of people did, uh, thought that Solomon Thomas uh, very well might be the guy that, that goes in that spot. So yeah, your thoughts at this point about Mitch Trubisky going where he did? Well, I mean, look, there's always one domino, one major domino early on in the draft that uh, you know totally alters the course of what the rest of the league thought was going to happen. Uh, you know, I think about years ago when the Jets traded up for Mark Sanchez or when the Falcons traded up for Julio Jones. Um, you know, you had the Redskins-Rams trade, although that was weeks before the draft, about five years ago. Um, so, yeah, just about everybody expected that the Browns would take Miles Garrett first overall. But I was, you know, just about floored that the Bears... Just a couple months after, you know, signing another young quarterback, giving Mike Lennon three years, $45 million, to trade up so much uh, draft capital to move up one spot uh, in order to take uh, a guy who, in my opinion, was not... I personally thought Deshaun Watson was the best quarterback prospect in this draft. And I liked a lot of the moves that the Bears have made recently. I think that they've... Uh, fortified their defense in drafts recently and in free agency. I like their running game a lot with Jordan Howard and with some of the moves they made on the offensive line. Uh, their receiving core uh, still leaves a lot to be desired. Now they lost Alshon Jeffrey, and they don't have a proven, experienced how many, quarterback. How many games is Jeffrey out for? Well, he's he signed with the Eagles. Oh, that's right, agency. he's gone. Yeah, now is he he because he's not facing it. That that was a year ago that he faced like a substance abuse thing. Or yeah, something he like was. That, right? He was. I think it was like a four game suspension. That's yeah. right. He's a member of the Eagles. Wow, yeah. I had totally forgotten that. Okay, so uh, Mitch Trubisky, you're not necessarily totally sold on him, and also just to give up that much for right. you, 
strikes you as odd from a from a Bears perspective, which most people agree with you in that in that respect. And if and if the Trubisky and if doing what you had to do to get Trubisky was the right move, then you know it does certainly raise questions. Why did you invest so much money in Mike Lennon? Yeah, one He's, thing he doesn't about have that, much more experience than uh, than Trubisky does. One thing about that that I'll say, I did read where the Glennon deal is pretty easy to get out from under after the first after year the first from a year. financial perspective. So in that respect, I guess you could do worse from just a depth perspective, having both Glennon and Trubisky in camp, figuring out where you're going to go from there. You'd think that Trubisky's going to start sooner rather than later, given what you gave up for him. But, you know, again, who knows what their perspective is on that. You know, Pace may be looking at it like, oh, okay, Glennon's going to be our guy for the first two years, and then Trubisky will work his way in. Right. Who knows? You know, I mean, it's really I, tough to say. I'm, but. I'm just thinking for the Bears, like, I mean, for a team that's gone as long as they have without going to the playoffs, and John Fox says this team's ready to contend right now, it seems to me whether you have Glennon or Trubisky, you have to expect that the production you get from your quarterback is not going to be great. That's not going to be your, your main formula for winning games. Mm-hmm. The running game, the defense, I thought investing a high pick uh, on the defense is the way to go. Uh, it looks like, I mean, this is more of a developmental pick than a pick that's going to help you now. And I, based on the comments that John Fox has made, that's not where I thought they were as a franchise. But All right. we'll see. And as far as Solomon Thomas goes, I mean, I had the team right. I just thought he was going to go second. They traded it back. He went third. That's true. And he stays in the Bay Area. He's going to go uh, become a member of that 49ers defense, Solomon Thomas. Uh, one of two uh, eventual top ten picks for Stanford. Right. In the, you know, in the NFL draft, very impressive for their program to get that done in the first round. So, uh, number three, uh, obviously, you know, again, you you uh, did not necessarily see the trade coming. Who did? Right. But that's what Solomon Thomas ends up being. Number three, although to the to the 49ers. Number four ended up being Leonard Fournette to the Jags. You had that. that. Yeah, you, that, you was another, that was another. That was another pick. Almost everybody thought that you know. Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone were enamored with, I mean, many teams were, just most of them don't have a high enough pick. Yeah, and somebody tweeted out a great, great tweet that oh. said, uh, the Jaguars have now drafted a big, strong, he's, fast running back who can tackle guys after they uh, run he's, back. He's uh, definitely going to, I hope, interceptions. I hope they run some tackling drills for their offense this Well, year. you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole situation works out because you know Blake Bortles plays out of the shotgun as much as he does right Leonard Fournette is really much more of a dot the eye type yeah I I think they're gonna yeah I mean I think that they would you know tailor their offense more towards uh Fournette but the thing about the Jaguars like they're another team you know they they've accrued a lot of talent you know with all the high draft picks with all the cap space they've had um, you know, if Bortles can play, you know, you know, he had a pretty good season, all things considered, two years ago. Took a step back last year. Um, you know, all things considered, I think that if Bortles, he doesn't have to be, you know, a pro bowler. He doesn't have to be an all pro. If he can be a solid, decent quarterback, limit those turnover numbers, lean on Leonard Fournette, and by the way, TJ Yeldon, who knows with Chris Ivory, he might be probably a, cut. a veteran he'll pro- cut. He'll probably yeah. get cut, yeah. And uh, in a, a defense that's starting to round out. So, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in Tom Coughlin's team-building abilities. I think Doug Marone is a good coach. And uh, so, yeah, I would have to think that things are uh, will eventually pick up in Jacksonville. All right. Number five, uh, Kyle, you did think that the Titans would be looking at a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, 
you mentioned that. You also said that you felt they needed to upgrade their defense. You thought that Reuben Foster would be the guy that gets the call here for the Titans. Right. Uh, Foster actually fell in the draft. He fell quite a bit, yeah. Surprised me and surprised even him because, as he said, he didn't have his jacket on in the green room. Corey Davis out of Western Michigan becomes the guy who uh, gets the call there at number five for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think uh, – I didn't even have Corey Davis as the top receiver in the draft. I had Mike Williams from Clemson a little bit higher. He went two picks later. Um, but, you know, Davis is a guy – he kind of reminds me of Michael Crabtree. Um, you know, maybe not uh, out, not the most nuanced in terms of knowing a pro-style offense out of college, but a guy who's just a playmaker, a guy who does what he's got to do, make uh, big catches and big spots, a guy who might be, uh, you know, more explosive, not quite as big and physical as Mike Williams. I, I love Marcus Mariota. He, did, he hasn't had a true, uh, you know, star receiver his first couple years in the league. I think uh, Mariota and Corey Davis are going to be a great duo. Okay, so now we have the Jets that came up next. And, you know, you weren't shy in saying that you felt they should take Deshaun Watson, try to figure out their franchise quarterback for, for some time to come. You said, yeah. look, they're at number six. You guys should do it, the Jets. They went with the safety, Adams, out of LSU, yeah. a guy that gets very high remarks. And I do think that the safety position is that important in the NFL nowadays where you have to be able to spend a high pick on that position if it's there. Uh, your thoughts on the Jets not going quarterback again, um, but rather with a safety? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I thought that that was, you know, the best way to upgrade their team. I mean, I can't say I'm shocked. This has now been uh, – it's the last time the Jets spent a first-round pick in an offensive player was Mark Sanchez. Mm -hmm. It's been all defense, so including two picks that they had a few years ago. Um, I mean, the, the only thing I would say, I, I would take the argument that he was the best player available, and I could take the argument that, um, you know, maybe you move Marcus Gokris to corner, improve yourself at a couple different positions. I just thought, you know, with Calvin Pryor, with Marcus Gilchrist, with Rontez Miles at safety, I don't think that where they are at corner is quite as bad as a lot of other uh, analysts and scouts make it out to be. But, you know... As I said, though, with, you know, if they can, you know, move Gilchrist to corner, I think, you know, people, he, he received high marks for his leadership, a guy who can play strong safety or free safety. They're not sure if they're going to get Calvin Pryor re-signed. Um, you well, know, it, this is a lot like when they drafted Leonard Williams two years ago. Best player available, yeah, a guy who had slept you, you a little you can, bit, maybe. You can't complain about it. Yeah. You can't find uh, fault with the pick. Well, the other thing is, I really truly feel this way, and this is the kind of thing that I tend to like to look at at the NFL, because it's it interests me where I do think sometimes in the NFL, and I'm not always right, but I think you can sort of find definitive ideas at different points in the NFL's history. And right now, to me, I believe that maybe the cornerback position is getting a little bit devalued. I think that you have um, rules that predicate themselves on not really being able to play cornerback the way that people have always played it for the last 15, 20, you know, 30 years. Um, you have a game that's increasingly predicated on the pass downfield. You have the pass rush and what that's supposed to be in terms of defending uh, the the pass. Cornerbacks and wide receivers, it's almost like an arms race for who's more athletic, who's bigger, who's faster, who's stronger. The position where you do see still to this day mismatches happen right. is often safety and tight end. 
and linebacker. And that's the mishmash because people are still trying to figure out how important is it to defend the run? How important is it to defend the middle of the field? And all these kind of, you know, most of the time predicated on defending the pass downfield and, and rushing the passer. So those safeties are like the equalizers. They're the ones, I mean, think about all the great defenses we've had recently and how, how safety play uh, factors into it. Of course, yep. with the Legion of Boom, um, Denver, you know, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's the, it's, it's the X factor yeah, because a absolutely. tight end can absolutely kill you. Yep. And if you have a safety that can mark one, it's a game changer. And, uh, that's why I think that, you know, more and more, you're going to start to see teams be less opposed. And it's funny how like the trends kind of like take some time to like impress, um, less opposed to taking safeties high, which like used to be a thing that you know, you would see, and then, oh, well, you know, the Roy Williams thing and, like, that whole era of safety went away, so it's like, well, we're not necessarily as interested in those guys anymore, but now the safety, again, it becomes that, it's like, uh, and I don't play a lot of golf, but it's like that club in your bag, the equalizer, that's kind of like an in-between. It's a it's a wood, it's an iron, it's kind of somewhat of a hybrid. Yeah. Um, that's what those, uh, you know, s- safeties, and really it's the same thing on the offensive side, just the, the tight end is the answer to that. Um, where you're able to maybe sometimes create mismatches where most of the time it's just who's going to make that better play, right. and it's much more 50-50. Um, all right, so next you said that you thought the Chargers would go with a safety, Malik Hooker, Malik Hooker out of I uh, had them... Ohio State, right. but they didn't. And again, they may regret not having done that. I don't necessarily always love the Chargers draft strategy, but they go with Mike Williams, who scouts do think is going to work very well with Rivers. He's a guy who's not like a top-end uh, 40 times speed guy, but he's got great body control. Yeah. He's, he's long. He's He can jump out the gym. Um, he's a guy that is a type of receiver that Phillip Rivers has usually worked well with in the past. Maybe those sort of like, you know, back shoulder, back of the end zone throws and stuff like that. You could see Mike Williams hauling in a lot of touchdowns with him. Yeah, I mean, kind of reminds me of uh, Plaxico Burris, kind of that classic uh, power forward X receiver. Uh, I think their their receiving core is rounding into shape. You know, they drafted Hunter Henry, the tight end at Arkansas. Yeah, I love Hunter Henry. They got, uh, you know, still have Antonio Gates doing his thing. Keenan Allen, you know, won't have to be a number one receiver anymore. Uh, that guy Tyrell Williams had a pretty good, uh, I believe either rookie year or second year last year. Mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon coming into his own as a running back. So, in the, the de- defensively. And they lost the so many heartbreakers last year. They lost, yeah. like, so many games right at the – I think they had a lead going into the fourth quarter, like, every one of their games except for – I don't know how many down the stretch. That wasn't the, the case. But for sure, in, like, the first half of the year, they had just, like, leads into the fourth quarter. They would blow them. They would, they would figure out a way to turn the ball over or whatever it may be. They had a bad loss against the Raiders where I think they fumbled, like, a – field goal at the end of the game or something like that but yeah they i mean they've um that's sort of been the mark of you know the rivers era they haven't been great at closing games and um you know honest in in the end it cost uh, mike mccoy his job so now you got uh anthony lynn down there first time head coach um a guy who's you know was a running backs coach in the league for a long time well respected around the league uh, and in the locker room so we'll see what happens now they're in a new city a uh, lot of lot of changes on the horizon mm-hmm. for the Chargers. Kyle thought that the Panthers, who were up next, needed a cornerback and thought that might be the way to replace the Josh Norman factor, etc. Uh, said that they would take, or maybe at least you thought, Marshawn Lattimore, but they went with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. What's interesting about it is when you kind of put it in a uh, big-picture perspective, although the Panthers last year came in 
with really high expectations defensively off a, a Super Bowl run. Uh, and then, um, you know, their defense definitely struggled early on. Yeah. Their defense kind of started to put it together again down the stretch. Yeah, they Last did. year I had them in a fantasy uh, league. And as as much as I feel you on the need to to maybe go out and guy, get a guy like Lattimore, isn't it interesting to think about what McCaffrey's going to bring to that offense, which absolutely uh, it kind of still always feels a little bit short on playmakers from time to time. Yeah, I like de- no, Calvin definitely. Benjamin. He's good and all. You know, Obviously, Greg Olson is one of the best tight ends in the league, no question about it. Um, potentially on his way to a, like a Hall of Fame career, it feels like at this point. Yeah. But, um, no, with I, Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey. He's and never taking yeah. the pressure off of uh, Cam Newton in terms of the, exposing the flat and you know the short pass and stuff like that could be huge for he's, that offense. He's never had a weapon like this. I mean, uh, you know, Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, they were solid rushers, more of that conventional, uh, you know, tailback. And Stewart, Stewart will still be there. He'll still be there, yeah. But then, uh, you know, McCaffrey, guy who can line up in the slot. You know, he can run outside. He can run inside. He can return kicks and punts. Like you said, I mean, you know, Cam is always going to, uh, you know, give that team a spark. He's always going to give them a good chance to win. But they need, you know, they, they need something else. They need another, you know, shot in their arm. They're basically, you know, defensively, yeah, they took a step back. They weren't as dominant as the year before. But as you, you know, they, they pulled it together down the stretch. They're basically a solid defensive team. They need some more weapons. This is a good place to start. You thought that the Bengals up next would go wide receiver. You said maybe Mike Williams, who, as we know, was gone by then. Right. But they did go wide receiver, speedster John Ross out of Washington. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's another guy who can, you know, Andy Dalton throws a pretty good deep ball. He'll be on the receiving end of those. They drafted Tyler Boyd in the first couple rounds last year. I think he's uh, coming into his own, former Pitt Panther. He's still got uh, A.J. Green. And Tyler Eifert, you know, he's who thinking should, he's going to be, be ready to healthy. start the year. Yeah, so, he should be fully healthy for once to start the year. You know, so that's I mean, nice for them. Two years ago, I mean, Andy Dalton had a tremendous season when he when he had a lot of weapons around him, you know, a good offense, good offensive supporting cast. You know, they lost Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu in the same offseason. Um, you know, I think their offensive line is going to take a step back without Andrew Whitworth. So, um, but, you know, they needed weapons. They needed other guys who could stretch the field, who could give them another uh, dimension, another playmaker. Um, I wouldn't – I personally would not have drafted John Ross that high. But yeah, you know, I, I thought, you know, if you're going to draft – It doesn't, feel, it doesn't back, feel like the right pick to me for the Bengals. I just yeah. – I don't know. I get the sense that this is like – I get the sense we're in the, we're in the bit of a, of a down phase for the Bengals, like this is going to start be. to be the slide a little bit. I don't know, not not, not just really based off disappointing that one pick. last year, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I never trust the, the Browns are on the rise in that division. Right, the Steelers are always good. Very Baltimore is always solid. Yep, yeah, same thing. There's not going to be a, it's not going to be easy. Next up were to be the Buffalo Bills. They traded down, right, and the Kansas City Chiefs. You uh, thought you thought the Bills in this spot would take Corey Davis, so you did think he'd actually go relatively high in, yeah. the, in the first round. I had him going top did. 10. He went fifth. The um, Chiefs traded into this spot to take Pat Mahomes the second. Yes. You know, uh, you I like that. You like pairing up Andy Reid with Pat Mahomes. I mean, I, I thought I did really did think that there was a good chance that they were going to go quarterback in the first round, but I thought more to Sean Watson. I'm not as sold on Mahomes. you know, uh, the system he played in, uh, in college, you know, a lot of one read, you know, a lot of the offensive coordinator reading the defense for him. 
Um, you know, he does have a good arm. He has checked out as far as, you know, the mental side of the game, Re, uh, reading defense as well, and improvising when he has to. I wouldn't have drafted him quite that high. Uh, the one benefit is that he has a good veteran in Alex Smith in front of him. He doesn't have to play right away. Uh, he can, you know, learn the pro game a couple of years. Andy Reid obviously has a great record developing uh, quarterbacks. Um, you know, I preferred Watson. They went Mahomes. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. No, it's interesting that, you know, any way you slice it, you kind of like the pairing of that young quarterback prospect with Andy Reid just yeah. because he's had success doing it, especially with the mobile quarterbacks. Um, how that plays itself out for the careers of Pat Mahomes and then later, as we know, Deshaun Watson in the uh, Houston organization will be interesting to watch. And uh, is, is O'Brien, like, a, is he a good quarterback guy? I think he is. Jumping ahead I a mean, bit, people but. are going to, you know, say, oh, well, he didn't work so well with Brock Osweiler. Well, I mean, I mean, come on. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, what happened? I mean, I really, I don't even know what Osweiler is yet, but. Um, Burnt popcorn. <laughs> uh, so you had next the Saints you thought would take Jamal Adams. As we know, he was gone to the Jets at six. But they did get a member of their secondary, a, a much-needed position for them. Marshawn Lattimore out of Ohio State goes down to uh, New Orleans. Yeah, I really thought that he would have been gone by this point. But they got the best corner in the draft. I mentioned the Browns as a, a winner from last night. you got to put the Saints in there, too. Of course, they were advantaged. The extra first-round pick from the Brandon Cooks trade. But to get a guy who many people, myself included, thought was the best corner in the draft, Marshawn Lattimore as well as perhaps the best left tackle in the draft, Ryan Ramchek. Um, I would have to say the Saints are off to a good start. Yeah, no, that's a good pick for them. And then you had the Browns up next at 12 taking Christian McCaffrey, but of course he was gone, and they traded down. Yes. And that allowed the Texans to slide in and take Deshaun Watson at you know the 12th overall slot in the first round. See, yeah. this is what's interesting to me, because here you're saying that you find the Browns to be a winner. Yeah. in the first round. You you rank them as a winner in the first round. Yet, they uh, pass on the opportunity to take Deshaun Watson, who you've di described in the past as a franchise quarterback, yeah. a position they absolutely desperately need. Right, They're rocking with the likes of Cody Kessler and the aforementioned Brock Osweiler right now. They pass on the ability to take a guy you've described as the best quarterback in the in the draft. Yeah, they They don't take him. How are they a winner? Look, here's here the the thought process I have is that Hugh Jackson, you know, we talked about Andy Reid developing quarterbacks. Hugh Jackson's got a good record too. He was Joe Flacco's quarterback coach when he was a rookie. Andy Dalton had a career year when he was the offensive coordinator of the Bengals. Jason Campbell had a career year the year that he was Raiders head coach. They're going to give Osweiler another chance. They're going to say this guy was you know a high enough draft pick. He played well enough in Denver that we're not going to hold uh, that one year against him in Houston. And, um, you know, they're not going to go, you know, that this just isn't, right now, they're accumulating as many picks as possible. I love this trade for both teams. The Browns stuck to what they've been doing, saying, look, we're not going to, this isn't the year, this isn't the time we're going to go hunting all out for a franchise quarterback. We're going to accumulate more picks, see what we have with the guys on our team. For the Texans, they are a team that's good enough to get to the playoffs without a franchise quarterback. We've seen time and time again, the one thing that can take a team from good to great is the presence of that guy. I think that that 
That's what we've been waiting for. The Texans have proven they can get to the playoffs. They've proven they can play defense and run the ball. But they haven't been serious contenders because they haven't had that franchise quarterback. The Texans took the big swing. The Browns accumulated more picks. I think it's a good trade for both teams. All right. Well, I have to say, uh, it depends on if the Browns can ever get themselves the opportunity to take that franchise quarterback. So we'll say. True. Um, all right. So we're running short on time here. I don't want to take up uh, too, too much of um, tape here. Uh you know, talking about this, but at the same time, we want to go through the entire first round. So let's kind of just like rapidly right. fire through what we had on the remainder. You thought the Cardinals would take Mitch Trubisky here, and instead, this was where uh, Hassan Reddick, yeah, uh, got taken uh, to the Cardinals. Right. So you like that for them? Yeah, I do. Uh, he's a guy that could play inside or outside. They would have liked to have a quarterback, but the top three ones are gone. They go defense. I like Reddick. Kyle had said Tre Davis. Uh, Tredavious White for the Eagles. Yeah. Um, the at, Eagles. At 14, but they, and you almost did say Derek Barnett, though, who they drafted out of they Tennessee. Did, they picked Barnett. Here's the thing. The Eagles, like, I'm thinking from the standpoint, they need corner help. They weren't good at corner last year, and they lost their top two guys, no, uh, Nolan Carroll, Leotis McKelvin. So, I mean, there are a lot of good ones in this draft. It's probably deeper there than at any other position, this draft, uh, cornerback. But Derek Barnett, um, you know, by all accounts, you know, a top flight pass rusher. They haven't been able to find a good complement to Brandon Graham, so you got those two together with uh, Fletcher Cox, a three technique. Uh, the front seven of the Eagles has the makings of a good one. Who knows about the secondary? Who knows what kind of offensive supporting cast for Carson Wentz? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Carson Wentz obviously himself looking to take a big step forward next year. So. Um, yep. All right, up next was the... Colts. Colts. Colts took Malik Hooker. Okay. To they, me, they be- took best Malik player Hooker. on the board. I thought you he thought Hassan been... Reddick would have gone to them, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a top five, top ten prospect without question. He's still there at 15, and you don't have a great safety. Take Malik Hooker. Don't look back. All right, Ravens, you had said that you, this is where you thought Derek Barnett would go. Yeah, uh, you know, Ozzie Newsome, a former uh, Alabama Crimson Tide player, loves his Alabama players. He took Marlon Humphrey. I was really surprised that Marlon Humphrey was the first Alabama player. I mean, I'm thinking Jonathan Allen, O.J. Howard, Reuben Foster. Mm-hmm. Marlon Humphrey went before all of those guys. You didn't need to wait long for Jonathan Allen, although you thought he'd be off the board much earlier. Yeah, that was a steal. Uh, you said, yeah, and I'm pissed about that. Redskins, you thought maybe Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt. Instead, they get Jonathan Allen, which I'm pissed about. That's a very good pick for them. That That's going to be a mistake. People are going to be wondering how yep. that guy go through yep. the first half of the first I'm round. I'm sure they will. Uh, Titans, uh, you said maybe wide receiver here. They'd already taken Corey Davis. Uh, then you said um, O.J. Howard because you said, you know, they need a wide receiver. Why not O.J. Howard? They took uh, Adore, is that how you say his Adore name? Jackson, Jackson, yeah. Who's a cornerback and uh, kick returner out of USA. You know, they, uh, they did sign Logan Ryan in free agency, but they cut Jason McCourty. They need uh, more help at corner. Really, their whole defense needs help. He's going to help them there, and he's also a dynamic kick and punt returner. The Buccaneers, you said Taco Charlton here, who later went to Dallas. They took O.J. Howard. They took O.J. Howard. Uh, they already have a pretty good tight end in Connor Brate, but this is going to free them up to run some nice two tight end sets. You got Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, Jameis Winston coming into his own. That could get scary. Make America Brate again. Kyle said the Broncos would need to bolster their O-line. You said Ryan Ramchek out of Wisconsin, but they took Bulls. They took Garrett Bulls. Uh, you know, he was there with his with his infant son, a guy who hasn't been playing offensive tackle for a long time. 
He was on a uh, Mormon missionary. Before that, he was a defensive tackle. But uh, second year at Utah, he was an all-Pac-12 left tackle. Mm -hmm. So the sky's the limit for this guy. I think it's a good move for the Broncos. Uh, The Lions were next. Kyle said Tredavious White for a second time showing that uh, we weren't paying attention, but especially him. Especially I, asked, him. I asked James after every pick, did we? Did this guy get Especially picks? Kyle wasn't He gave me the green he light. Couldn't, he couldn't dare take notes or, or keep a list of what he had done. So instead, the Lions took uh, Jared Davis out of Florida. They need some help at linebacker. Uh, you know, DeAndre Levy recovering from the knee surgery. Uh, they need some beef in the front seven, and he's going to help. He's going to give them some leadership. Dolphins up next. You thought maybe Jabril Peppers for them. But they took Charles Harris out of Mizzou, who I don't think you had going in the first round. Uh, I don't believe I did. I had it. Actually, no, this is from a different mock. Yeah, I had him. Uh, oh no, early. you did. You did. T- you did have him going to the 49ers at the tail end of the, uh, or it would have been the Falcons. Okay. But the trade happened, so you had That's Charles right. Harris going to the Falcons late. But you know the Dolphins. Uh, you know they could use another pass rusher. Cameron Wake is getting old. You know they saw Mario Williams last year. He didn't do a whole lot. Uh, He's old too. Yeah, he's also old. So there you go. I mean, this is a guy who a lot of people had late first round, early second. They need a pass rusher. Good pick. All right, Raiders up next. Kyle, you did think they would take a cornerback. Yeah. You said maybe Marlon Humphrey, who, you know, as we know, the Ravens had already taken off the board. I was thinking they would draft a corner who wasn't being investigated for rape. Well, you should have thought, but this is the Raiders. So uh, Gary and Conley, is that how you pronounce his name? Gary and Conley, yeah. Uh, Who is obviously dogged by those rape allegations. Um you know, I mean, uh, alleged. I have no idea. I know nothing about the case, really. Me but, neither. In all fairness, um, uh, Reggie yeah, McKenzie and Jack Del Rio. I mean, they're they're swearing up and down. That a they lie did their detector due and stuff. He took a lie from, detector. From what I heard was, yeah. The, I mean, originally I heard that he passed on taking the lie detector, and then what I heard was he passed the lie detector right, test. Right. I thought, um, you know, just a horrible situation all around. Um, yeah. You know what? I'm actually. I have to admit. Um, I totally misread that tweet. I think it was from well. you that I got. Yeah, yeah, I it must have been. I I poisoned your mind with it because they he passed. Yeah, they no, all passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought <laughs> so. Anyway, it was um, Ian Rappaport who tweeted yeah. out that you know teams have asked uh, Conley to take a lie detector test. Dot dot dot. He passed. And I totally read it as he passed on taking the test. So that's yeah. me. Um, assuming that you know he was he had a guilty conscience or whatever, which is not good. So okay, the Texans were up next. It became the Browns after their trade, and uh, Kyle said that this is where the Texans would take Pat Mahomes. <clears throat> Instead, they got Watson, and this is where the Browns took Jabril Peppers. Right. Uh, yes, the Browns got the. Uh, you like that the pick first for them? of the two uh, local Jersey kids. I love this pick because. First of all, I mean, Rich Eisen, you know, the former Michigan Wolverine, was soaking in, you know, loving the fact that the Ohio fans were going to have to show love to Jabril Peppers like they did for Braylon Edwards once upon a time. And uh, this is a guy, you know, they need help at safety. If they want to move him up to linebacker, which they shouldn't because, you know, they have, they're pretty good at linebacker there, he can do that too. He can play in the slot. You need a kick returner or punt returner since Josh Cribbs isn't coming back anytime soon. You can, you know, he can put him there. He's a, he's a guy, this is a team that just needs an overall talent overhaul. And Peppers is a, is a major key to that, as is Miles Garrett, as is the guy we'll talk about in a couple picks. Okay, so the Seahawks were next. You said maybe John Ross here, showing how much, the, you know, of a discrepancy there really was in, in what actually happened with him in particular. 
and it always feels like the wide receivers are tough to, to put a f finger on because teams value them so incredibly high nowadays. Uh, the Seahawks traded this pick to the Falcons. Right. They took uh, Takaris McKinley, McKinley from who, UCLA. who dropped a nice, nice F-bomb, and yes, then Deion he did. Sanders told him to calm down. He was very, uh, yeah, he got a nice scolding from Pronton. And I'm here, man. I completed the promise. That means every fucking thing to me. Excuse my language. Man, find me later, man. Find me later, man. This means everything to me. Everything to me, man. I want you to do something for me. I love your passion. I love your intensity. But let's harness it and channel it in the right direction. Because if you can do that, ain't nothing can stop you. We did it, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. We did it. I love you, Grandma. You know, very emotional, apparently. No, but it's great. It's great story. Yeah, it's a great yeah. story. No question. But this is, I mean, as far as the pick goes, um, I mean, I had Falcons going D-end all the way. A lot of people had Falcons going D-end all the way. Um, you know, McKinley was a guy. Some people had him mid-first round, some early second. Um, but, you know, his track record, track record speaks for itself. He can play defensive end or linebacker, 4-3 or 3-4. Great uh, character record, great record of production on the field for a winning team. I can't say anything bad about that pick. Good. So that that should be a good pick for the Falcons, who are obviously trying to lick their wounds still to this day after oh, yeah. uh, that'll that never, disaster. That'll um, ne they'll never go over Super that. Bowl. Okay, Bills up next. It was supposed to be the Chiefs, uh, but they had a trade, obviously. They took Tredavious White. Right. Kyle had thought maybe Jared Davis. Um, yeah, the the Bills. I mean, their number one corner, Stephon Gilmore, left in free agency. Yeah. He's now in New England. Uh, they have another good young corner in Ronald Darby. They definitely needed to replenish uh, that position. Uh, you know, I White is you know the look at the track record of cornerbacks who have come out of LSU in recent years. A lot of good ones. A lot of good corners and receivers competing against each other. Down in Baton Rouge. By the way, I, I'm realizing just now, this is funny that I would do this since I'm a Giants fan, but we picked, we totally skipped that. We skipped the fact that uh, they took Ingram. Uh, you had said they were going to take Dalvin Cook back at 23, but they took uh, oh, Ingram yes. instead. Dalvin Cook is still on the board yeah. as of this recording. Yeah. Um, yeah, Evan Ingram was a guy, you know, I'm just going to say, you know, David Njoku, a local kid at a Cedar Grove, was still on the board. I thought if they were going to go tight end, that's where they would go. Ingram, though, I mean, he's a guy, you watch him on film, he jumps out at you. I mean, he's got all the size with the jumping ability and speed as a tight end. You know, people you know, can criticize his blocking. I said you know, to James before we did this, he shows a lot more effort and intensity on those seal blocks than a lot of other tight ends in the league. Plus, you know, people are saying maybe he'll convert to wide receiver because that's where he fits as far as his thin frame goes. And if that's the case... He can't have anyone better than Brandon Marshall showing him the ropes. Uh, let me just quickly run through the last five picks then. Okay. And you can kind of just say whatever it is you want to say if there's anything in particular. Okay. Because uh, we're very short on time. Cowboys, you said uh, Adoree Jackson, but they took Taco Charlton. Uh, they needed defensive help. They needed help on the pass rush. Charlton, good pick. Green Bay Packers traded out. Browns got back in, and they took Njoku. Yeah. Um, you would like maybe T.J. Watt to Green Bay, but uh, he goes one pick later. Um, to the Steelers. Yeah. He's going to be their 3-4 outside backer opposite Bud Dupree. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Njoku, I mean, the only thing I would say, if Njoku does turn out to have a better career than Evan Ingram, people would go, oh, Jerry Reeves, he right. was in your backyard. Sure. And so. No, it's true. You know. 
Uh, and then the 49ers take Deshaun Foster, who really slept, uh, according to a Ruben lot of people. Foster. Ruben Foster, sorry. Um, Deshaun Foster, that was the running back. Panthers, the Panthers. running back. back in the um, he was supposed to be – it was supposed to be the Falcons picking here, but obviously they had picked up to take McKinley. Yeah. And you thought maybe this would be where Ch- Charles Harris went. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing about uh, – I mean, first of all, with the Niners, they had that extra draft capital, draft capital from the Mitch Trubisky trade so they could move up into that without sacrificing a lot. Getting Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster – I mean, I would have to say they're another team that's got to be considered one of the winners. Um, you know, he's going to be like what Patrick Willis was to Navarro Bowman mm-hmm. early on in his, in his career. Plus, he got to Forrest Buckner, Eric Armstead. Their offense is still a lot of question marks, but they're starting to build a pretty good defense out there. And then the last pick of the first round, the Saints took Ryan Ramchek out of Wisconsin. Uh, you had thought maybe they would take the quarterback of the future, Sean right. Kaiser. He actually is not going to be a first rounder. So, uh, you, yeah, like, you I, like Ramchuk there for the Saints? Yeah, I mean, I think they got the best corner and the best left tackle in the draft. So I can't good. can't fault them there. Yeah. No. All right. So that will be the conclusion of the Blunt Sports Talk uh, breakdown of the 2017 NFL draft. He's Kyle Flippin. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Flippin. You can follow me on Twitter, James, at Jamadrop. That's J A. M-A-D-R-O-P. So glad you could join us. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And the best of luck to all of the 2017 draftees. But let's just remember that really no one has any clue what the result of this is until probably like three years from now. Two at the least. Thank you. Players on these. Welcome back to the Most American Podcast Ever Graded. I am your host, James Flippin. Still so much to do here, so we're going to get right into it. You know what song I really hate? I really can't stand that song. It's I can't. I think it was popular sometime in like the late 90s or something. It's heads high, I probably shouldn't be doing it with this other song. But I can't stand the heads. I was really pumped. And my, uh, my producer, the host of this show here, would be very, very, very displeased to hear me say this. So hopefully this is kind of like when you hide a note inside a term paper and the, the teacher doesn't see it. But I was really pumped, I'll whisper it, that the Nashville Predators beat the Chicago Blackhawks only because they had that beef. Do you remember there was this time back during the season, and Ed Silla, I know, was very, very like anti Nashville about this. So again, this is a bad place to be treading here. But uh, the Nashville Predators, an NHL hockey team, yeah, that's right, they have one. Um, put up like some kind of a geo fence on the selling of tickets online, and if you had a Chicago area zip code on your, and there's other teams that have done this, if you had a Chicago area zip code on your credit card, you couldn't buy tickets at the Nashville Predators games for, you know, for the Blackhawks. Uh, So in essence, what they were trying to do is ensure that it was a friendly home crowd because you have all these, you know, big money 
Chicago fans that want to go to a cheaper, relatively hockey game, and they can go to a nice place like Nashville, a great city, supposedly. I haven't been there. And go check out their team play. And uh, Nashville's starting to get better now as a hockey team, but, you know, whatever. So they put up this geofence where only their people could buy these tickets, and the Chicago fans got really pissed about it. They're like, you know, how dare you? This is not right. This is a not. This is a outrage. All this kind of thing. But you know, I think it's kind of awesome in a way that a small town team. And again, I've always sided with those small town teams because even though I'm a New York fan, I side as much as anything with the Mets. Which you know, I don't even know if it's fair to call them like a small town any a small town team anymore. Of course, they operate like one, but they're just really more like a disgrace and just a mess, just an absolute. Cluster F. I'm not even going to get into them. I do a Mets podcast, so I'm not even going to... Which, by the way, I have to make some moves and get that organized because I'm supposed to bring that to Radio Misfits along with this show that I'm now doing with Joey Baboots, which is the Midnight Drive. And I used to do a show with him, uh, Joe Kersey, if you know him on Twitter and, and Facebook and such. Uh, so anyway, I'm getting off track. But the Nashville-Chicago Blackhawks thing, anyway... Nashville then beat Chicago in the playoffs. So, I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's like the ultimate. And look, I'm not going to go any further than that. Um, This was very controversial. There's a a change.org. Somebody added me to the change.org mailing list, which, you know, very funny. Haha, they did that. But it actually gives me some material sometimes. Um, There's this movie out, Generations 3. And it's about people who are, uh, I guess, transgender. It's The characters are in some way um, either transgender or um, whatever, and they want this movie's rating changed from R to PG-13 because transgender youth won't be able to see it. And, you know, I, I think that that is a very, very shaky premise on which to change a movie's rating. Um, you know, it's like if you had some movie that featured, you know, regular, or regular, I shouldn't, goddamn, uh, straight sex or something, and they said, oh, well, you know, this really shouldn't be R, it should be PG-13, because straight males aren't going to be able to see sex otherwise. Like, come on, please. I don't know, it's just, I don't know what to say anymore. This whole Shea Moisture there's a company, Shea Moisture, that has like mostly black American um, black American women for customers because they sell hair products and skin products, I guess, that cater mostly to, to black Americans. And they're attempting to increase their market share, like most companies do, by reaching out to white women in different hair products that they're offering now and advertising for. But for whatever reason, a whole... Um, cadre of women got really, really pissed that they did that and were in some way like offended that the company would try to court white women as customers to which I just, I, I was left like my mouth was left agape when I read that. And I started to see that whole thing unfold. I'm like, what, why the, why the hell would you care? Like why the hell, unless they were going to basically say, Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. We're, we're not, selling these products anymore the ones that you apparently really like we're no longer going to sell those because you know since you're black we don't want to sell you those like then i could see where you'd be like whoa what the hell this is a complete outrage how dare you this is unreal you're a piece of crap company and you're racist and then i'd understand 
but they're trying to to potentially have white customers and in some way that's offensive Lena Dunham apparently cried over uh American politics yeah she said she cried over the fact that you know President Trump was elected and I just I read that and I said you know here's a woman who's rich beyond means you know definitely in like the 10% of the world's richest people right uh healthy free accomplished yet she cries at democracy not like you know she's upset or there's some consternation over you know the fact that her side didn't win and she needs to figure something out like how can i help my side win or you know whatever she cried she cried uh the Philly police were cracking down on an event at a 420 pot event. There was a 420 event where people were smoking pot and it was at some warehouse in Philadelphia. And the narcotics agent said, I just thought this quote, I thought this quote was just so funny because it's so obvious. It's just, it's great. It's just hilarious that this was a quote, but the guy said, um, narcotics agent said, name covered we are doing this because marijuana is still illegal and it's like you know the the event was if in honor of like you know medical marijuana and helping people get access to medical marijuana but the guy just the fact that they had a quote in there where the guy said we're doing this because marijuana is still illegal it's just, it, it sounds like something out of a uh out of a parody piece oh and by the way that gets me to my next thing chris christie is really really anti-marijuana he thinks it's like a gateway drug. It's, you know, marijuana is something that only really awful degenerate people do and all this kind of stuff. And someone had just an absolute, absolutely great meme where it was a picture of him stuffing a donut in his face. And in the white block lettering, it says, says pot smokers have no self-control, comma, coincidentally weighs 400 pounds. I mean, come on. It's just, it's unbelievable that a guy who, and God bless him, I'm not trying to say I'm in any way. You know, somebody who doesn't have my own issues with consumption and all kinds of stuff, you know, demons and, and, and uh, vices, you know, whether it's whatever, smoking, drinking, whatever it may be. But um, how dare a guy like that be so judgmental about something as relatively harmless as smoking pot? Of course, it's not completely harmless. But Roger Goodell says marijuana is addictive and unhealthy which is really interesting when you consider the fact that the National Football League has no problem allowing its players to pop opiates like their potato chips, which, by the way, are addictive and unhealthy. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Very, very interesting. This woman, you know, this is a social justice warrior who just really makes you just your stomach turn. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos on his website, uh, shared Erica D. Smith's column from the Sacramento Bee, where she opined that it's ridiculous that people who pass on AIDS from person to person go to jail. She says that people who pass on AIDS should not go to jail. And the reason that she says that is because something like the, the AIDS crisis has passed us by now, and it's really more um, if you're going to do that, you're actually stigmatizing people who have the disease and you're making them into like a special, you know, lesser class. And that's not something the law should do. And 
you know, bitch, they're giving a deadly disease to somebody and they're knowingly doing it. That's the whole point of the law. If they did it, it's the fact that they have a deadly disease. It has nothing to do with whatever, you know, more, more rank leftism disguised as uh, intellectualism. And in this case, there was a show uh, on the Bill Nye show, a sketch where they said that white people ruined yoga with their Lulu lemon hands. And uh, the, the show's writer rails against white people doing yoga and using Asian wallpaper. I mean, it's really what it is now. It's this open season on being as racist and nasty and as fucking just beyond the pale when it comes to being anti-white people because it's this it's this echo chamber it's this echo reaction from what was the really nasty racist anti you know black people and other minorities in like the 1940s 1950s Jim Crow era and up through the 70s and like it started to kind of slowly i think change bit by bit a little more significantly exponentially if you will in the 80s 90s and onward um now you have this whole like echoing boom of people who were raised to be super hyper vigilant against that kind of thing. And then also at the same time, they want to, you know, um, make sure they punish people who may have been involved in it in the past. And that's where you have this whole modern leftism. And it's really, it's gross. It really is. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. All right. This is a tough, 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 category this is a tough uh topic because when jimmy kimmel went out and spoke about his his young son who god bless him is dealing with health issues and we wish him nothing but the best he's fighting and he had to have um heart surgery and it's just it's amazing uh you know you think about you know somebody going through the entire process of you know their their wife and and them and they're, they're you know they're pregnant right they're expecting a baby and then almost a full year goes by and then the the time comes and you know you only pray and hope that the baby's totally healthy and if there's anything that you're dealing with i can only imagine you know i just i can't, in other words i can't so when i heard about the fact that and i don't watch you know any late night shows it's not like about being anti jimmy kimmel i just don't watch late night shows but when i when i heard about and saw the headlines and on twitter and stuff that he had spoke about his young son who was dealing with this at first I was just like, wow, I have so much respect, man, to, for somebody from like a, almost like from a broadcasting business person and, and knowing people who do TV and stuff like that. I was just like, so impressed that the guy could do that on air and be that close with his audience in a way, like be that close with his fans to do that. I was truly amazed. And then I found out that actually by the end of the whole uh, discussion, he had made it political. And that he got into the whole, you know, Obamacare, American uh, Care Act and, and American Health Care Act and stuff. And I was honestly, you know, when I heard when I realized that, because I didn't see it, when I heard about the fact that he had made it political, I was honestly disgusted. It was like a slow burn. And I realized how gross it really was that he would take that and, and make it a political thing. Especially about the complex, multi-layered, really, really sticky issue that is 
providing health care. And a tweet I saw randomly, I don't even think it was somebody I, I follow, but a tweet I saw randomly just absolutely nailed it. This person said, I'm glad Jimmy Kimmel's kid is okay, but what a C word to use the most vulnerable of moments to be a pimp for the left's failed plan. And that's really how I felt about it, to be honest with you. Couldn't be any more thrilled to hear about the good part of the story. But when I had been told that it was something that was made out to be a political issue, I said, no, that's not right. That's not right. Moving on to the next story. Um, what a what an unbelievable. I saw this this guy. Um, I like to read Gizmodo.com. It's a it's a split off of Gawker Media, which, as we all know, is very very leftist. And I've thankfully been able to break my addiction to Deadspin and you know all these other you know little spinoffs of that website that are just leftist trash. But I like Gizmodo because it it'll sometimes have stuff about Star Wars or like other movies I might be interested in. It's all kinds of like interesting science and like sci uh, fi stuff. So I stumbled upon this piece, and I should know better than to get into like the really long form pieces that they have. But this said, and this is a, a quote or an excerpt from this guy's piece. At the same time, America demands assimilation. This means looking and acting American. Which means speaking English, wearing jeans and t-shirts, and watching football. The argument against whatever group is considered a threat is usually that they can't ever be American. The Japanese were considered racially incapable of being Americans at one point, but now, through the magic of assimilation, Asian Americans are held up as the model minority. Cities with significant immigrant populations are littered with places like Chinatown, Little Tokyo, Koreatown, etc. As the immigrant populations assimilate, those places stop being genuine ghettos and become tourist attractions. Little Italy in Manhattan, for example, is a brand more than it's an actual home to Italian immigrants and their children. When I read this, I was just like, you know what? What the fuck is this guy's problem, man? The price of being American is assimilation. I mean, what an absolute bitch this guy is. First of all, assimilation is not a price. It's a convention. It's a way of life. It's a reality. When you have a grouping of human beings in a set place that all use uh, the same set of laws and the same currency and they shop at the same types of places and they send their kids to the same types of places every day uh, in this, you know, Western part of the world, obviously school most of the time. It's a convention assimilation. And that's why you speak a common language. That's why there's common fashion as if people are forced to wear jeans and t-shirts. What a fucking idiot. And watching football, you have to do it. Yeah, I don't like football, but you have to do it. Well, too bad if you don't like it, man. Everybody else fucking does. So get over it. And the Japanese were considered racially incapable of being Americans at one point. Uh actually, how about we were at war with them? They were they were part of a world war like a really nasty, brutal one that maybe someone in your family or you know, someone you know may have actually fought in. But now, through the magic of assimilation, Asian Americans are held up as the model minority. Uh, actually, it's because by you know per capita, they commit less crime. 
they are the most educated. Uh, you know, they, they have family, you know, nuclear family structures. In terms of being a model minority, I mean, if you if you if that's what you mean, if you mean that like people will actually point those statistics out, I guess that's what you mean. And the rest of this shit, I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about. Cities with significant immigrant populations are littered with places like, and it's really just a brand. It's really just a brand. There isn't actually anybody who lives there anymore. Well, let me tell you, I've been to Chinatown in uh, Manhattan. There's plenty of Chinese people there. So I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And as far as like Little Italy not being super Italian, New York City might as well be Little Italy. So like, what are you saying? There's not enough Italians in New York now? That's a new one. That's a new one, I got to say. Chrissy Teigen. Oof, man. She just went off on uh, Donald Trump on Twitter. And she was saying that her crippling anxiety is caused by him. She has crippling anxiety caused by Donald Trump, and she demands that he pays her medical bills. Which, you know, is just so typical, isn't it? This, like, super caring leftist. She and husband John Legend, who just, all of me cares about all of you. Does he give all his money to um, charities? Because the way that this guy is on Twitter, and I don't follow, but I don't follow, but you know what I'm going to say. I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, But Chrissy Teigen just goes off and what a complete whack job. First of all, you're this caring leftist. You're a super rich celebrity, but you want Donald Trump to pay for your health care, for your anxiety? How about for somebody else who actually could use it? I mean, if, if you actually really care. They're going to be your top buyers. They're going to be your top buyers. All right, let's, let's close up shop for the week, shall we? Thank you. This has been Flippin' Out Radio, the most American podcast ever created. And don't forget, you can email me at any time. Flippin'outradio at gmail.com. That's F-L-I-P-P-I-N-O-U-T-R-A-D-I-O at gmail.com. And we can talk about anything. We can talk about uh, the Mets. We can talk about politics. We can talk about, you know, let me know your thoughts on the Jimmy Kimmel thing. Honestly, am I off base on that? I mean, because again, originally my thought was, wow, that's how impressed I am that that guy could do that. And then when I knew we made it political, I was just like, you know, really grossed out about it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well. It's Jamadrop, J-A-M-A-D-R-O-P, J-A-M-A-D-R-O-P. Happy to interact with you there. Some closing stories on the way out. This Chinese uh, note was found in a bag that a woman bought. This woman bought an expensive handbag, and there was a note from a Chinese worker saying, like, help us. We're working in, like, slave labor conditions in China. Isn't that sick? That's what's really sick, and that's where people, I don't I don't get where people get off talking about, like, fair trade, free trade. They don't actually treat their, you know, labor units, if you want to talk economics, in, in China, like real people. Their labor hours aren't even, like, we couldn't even fathom. Uh, this kid liked the fo- a photo of a gun on Instagram. He liked a photo of a gun on Instagram, and he got suspended as a result. He didn't comment. He didn't share it. He liked a photo, and he got suspended. Now, look, the only thing I can say is it is a little fair. People say, oh, you can never be too careful nowadays with the whole, like, you know, day and age of Columbine. I get that. 
But again, if somebody likes a photo, I think we can relax a little bit. And how did even anybody know that? Like, I, I, it still amazes me that people are going through actually watching who likes what. Makes you want to just never even use that feature ever again. I thought we all kind of were under agreement. It's almost like a personal thing. Like, hey, look, if you want to just actually, like, express to yourself, I like this, go ahead and click that little... Anyway, very good. Most American podcast ever created. Radiomisfits.com. Join us next time, won't you? I'm James Fluffin. The most American podcast ever created. Oh, here's your blessing. Oh, baby. You know, I, I don't have Sirius XM in my car anymore now. I have to get the subscription because I'm an employee, but my, my trial ran out. And it's just unlistenable, man. The weekend... Whichever main it is, is it Gucci main, J. Cole, like whispering? It's awful. Last night I listened to 92.7, and it's Spanish music, but at least it's music. Honestly, best case ever for not ever getting rid of Sirius is having it and then getting rid of it and having to listen to fucking local radio. It's awful. Very good! This has been a Flippin' Out Radio production. Flipping out radio.